Welcome to SADCAST, the podcast for working creatives. This is episode 42. I'm your host, Pamela Runis, designer and co-publisher of the physical magazine SADMAG. Well, I'm back from vacation. I had an awesome time in Palm Springs in LA. Saw a lot of great art, which is always really inspiring to me creatively. There's always lots of uh, things designers can pilfer from artists. And I don't mean copying ideas, but there are techniques and textures and materials I always find interesting. And I definitely look at paintings for color palette inspiration. I feel super refreshed and I'm ready to tackle the cheese issue, which is sure to be our most delicious issue yet. So take a look out for that in April. My guest today is SADMAG's very own typographer, Kenneth Ormandy. Kenneth created the Secrets Emoji Font and Decoder for the Secrets issue. So you might have noticed the emojis on the back cover of that issue. The emojis were based on articles in the issue and even have little sad teardrops hidden in them. If you haven't seen it or played around with the decoder, it's super fun. Go to sadmag.ca slash secrets to check it out. Kenneth will be creating a custom typeface on the theme of each new issue of SADMAG going forward. We're really looking forward to um, the great one he's working on for the cheese issue. So stay tuned for that. Kenneth also uh, talks about the speaker series he runs called Type Brigade. And just a note that I'll be speaking at the next one, April 20th, with sad fave Tierney Milne. And as long as all goes to plan, that will give you a sneak peek at the latest issue, which should be hot off the press by then. So be there or be square. But for now, here's my chat with Kenneth. Yeah. So how did you get interested in type? Like, were you always like as a kid? Um, not as a kid, but now when I look back at design projects, it's funny to see that thread running through some of the work. Like I wouldn't have said that I was doing typography focused work at the time, but now I see all these projects where that was the main focus. And I guess like chopping up letter forms and using type as like part of illustrations, um, in early projects that made me look closer at letter forms and then follow type designers and try and find what they were doing um and I guess just get excited about having them as mentors potentially yeah but it wasn't something that yeah it wasn't like I knew that that was even a job you could have early yeah. on or anything like when did you figure out that that was a thing um it was probably not until I, I went to technical college in in Edmonton somewhere like equivalent of BCIT okay and there I had a really amazing design instructor who, you know, introduced me to like Eric Speakerman and people like that. Um, but I also started seeing typography journals and things like that. Mm -hmm. And even then it still didn't really click for me that you could actually just design type as your full design job, that that could be your specialization. Yeah. Um, but you know, the closer I looked at those people's work, the more I got excited about that. And it's still not what I do yeah. all the time now, but it's nice to know that that is something I can spend more of my time on. Yeah. So it, um, if you could, you would spend 100% of your um, time on it? I think I've learned that it's unrealistic to, that I would spend 100% of my time, do you think? like my work time on any of, not, not necessarily because I couldn't, but because I, I bounce around a lot anyways. Mm -hmm. Like my background is in building websites and I still really love to, you know, write code for websites and design websites. And I don't think I would stop doing that, but 
type design is really interesting because there's a programming aspect as well as a visual design aspect and it kind of marries those interests for me really really nicely so yeah i would guess yeah that's why you like um more web typography too I yeah imagine yeah definitely yeah um, and um explain for our listeners the difference between a web font and a print font even though i know <laughs> <laughs> well um web fonts are a newer addition to the web platform, I guess it haven't been there since the beginning. So, um, a web font is actually just got a bit of a wrapper around a desktop font to make it harder to install, um, and make it smaller in file size. So when you go to a website, you don't have to download quite as large of a file. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and they're like optimized, they're, they're optimized, but essentially they're, um, the same thing. Actually, a lot of web fonts just sort of have automatic hinting for, certain platforms um like other ones don't actually need them Mm. um so the underlying font file is still really similar in in a lot of cases i thought like really well really good ones maybe like go down to like the pixel and yeah they do but um less devices than you might think actually use that hinting information um most apple stuff doesn't need to really yeah even like oh so the retina stuff does or doesn't um no retina screens don't it's primarily for windows actually um Jeez. but so there was a big push okay, like, I'm learning um, all sorts of <laughs> so there was a big push um especially from um what was then i guess hoffler and fur jones now oh hoffler yeah <laughs> maybe that's a bad which side are you on there <laughs> i well i already regret phrasing it that way to have to make it <laughs> i mean um i got to see i was lucky enough to see um, Tobias Ferdrone speak at TypeCon shortly after all of that. And I think really? it was really, you know, nice to see how supportive the community was of him. Um, I'm happy to see that he's launched his own studio and um, Nina Stosinger, who I really admire, works there now too. So it seems like he's in a great place. And, um, you know, while I think there's people still have probably some questions on the other side of things, mm-hmm. I think Koffler & Co. is doing a much better job of... Um, showcasing what their individual employees do and like Hmm. sharing some of that technology behind the scenes so like i don't really know about it but i feel like both parties um have i don't know resulted in yeah you know they've done something positive from the experience while i know very little about the behind the scenes stuff oh my god typography drama yeah that was like the biggest thing in typography well yeah what was it the new york times headline like the beatles of type design split up or whatever i don't know if that was how someone else summarized that i'm pretty sure that was along the lines and everyone's like who yeah yeah (laughs) Oh man, we'll go look that up, guys. Because I'm not gonna explain the the entire yeah. thing. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, you are a, a real type nerd. You were just in Paris for yeah. Type Paris. Um, like what, like a five week program? Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's a type design like, course specifically. So you work on um, designing a typeface. You start with calligraphy and some traditional tools, and move into designing type, and eventually have your own initial version of a typeface after the five weeks of the course working with mentors and things like that so fun had you worked um like in calligraphy and like more traditional methods like before um yeah one of the things i'd taken some workshops here um with martin jackson oh um, yeah yeah who's really amazing um probably one of the best living calligraphers who happens to live in like greater vancouver area so that's amazing convenient um um a lot of type design education actually starts out with calligraphy or looking at tools it kind of comes from 
the the Dutch school of thinking today, which says that a lot of the ways that we make letter forms is informed by the tools that we use. So a lot of teachers today, that's sort of how they introduce the concepts of type design to their students. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I think a lot of people who get into that start thinking they need to perfect that aspect of their, their craft, get really good at calligraphy or like brush lettering or something like that. And you don't, or at least I hope you don't because I'm not very good, but it's very (laughs) helpful to um, understand how the tool works and um, the influence that has on the letter forms that you're trying to make. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you ended up making um, your own typeface and tell us about that. Um, the one that, that I worked on uh, in Paris yeah. was um, a Basserville revival. So um, I didn't really go with any expectations of what I should do. And um, my the lead instructor, Jean-Francois Porchez, he really um, pushed me towards doing a revival and also like at the time the 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 brexit stuff was going on or just gone on and i think it was still at a moment where it seemed like it was going to be amusing so he thought it and i had just come from england before that so he's like oh look at this you know english type designer who has this history with france it seemed appropriate where um you know i he had done all this Baskerville was um, a British type designer, but his work was really only appreciated in France. And I got to look at a lot of his books there and do a take on that. And um, at first I started out by, you know, changing a lot of the stuff that I had seen in the original drawings, looking at them up close and trying to interpret them. And Mm -hmm. he steered me away from that and to to do a more faithful revival. It's like, well, you don't know what to to change until you've, you know, seen what was there in the original, which I think was actually really good advice. I kind of pushed back against that at first no, I know what. And are you I'm happy doing. with the the final? Um, yeah, I'm. I think the most important part was probably to accept that it was supposed to be a learning exercise. Mm-hmm. And when you disconnect it from, you know, do, do people need another Baskerville revival? Like, then you might not take it on in the first place. Mm-hmm. But if I, but I could do that because it was just a learning experience. It didn't need to be the best version of Baskerville or yeah, hundred percent faithful to. Yeah. his whole life work or whatever then yeah. it was really helpful for me to do like a more traditional serif mm-hmm. and how did like do you which you which kind of font do you prefer to make like something hard working like that or like more display fonts which you've done for us um, in the past uh i would like to i have i have less opportunities to do the the hard working stuff so yeah it's that was a good experience and but I'm, I'm really happy to do to do either project. Um, it's not the majority of my work right now, so it's great to get to do to do either. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have an important question for you. Um, sans or serif? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, it's like depends where, what. Yeah. No, we're taking all that out. Just which one? I'm not going to be able to not give you... I, I'm going to give you a non-answer. Oh. Yeah. I guess some people, so the, the, the Dutch school I, of thinking about type I mentioned before wouldn't necessarily look at those as distinct. Mm-hmm. They're like on a spectrum. Right. So sure. I guess I would say both. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think type is going to go now? Like right now we're in a very um, geometric yeah. sans thing. And then yeah. we've got this sort of... Uh, on the other side the like wedge serif Mm -hmm. thing like where do you think what's gonna happen next what's the trend um i guess 
well the, the thing with the trend seems to be copying what someone else is doing in terms of type instead of copying the reason why they did it mm-hmm. which is too bad mm. um you know the reason i think a lot of geometric stuff became popular or at least one really good example of it is are things like airbnb or spotify who mm. are have become successful and used it um in a distinctive way and so it's been copied for that reason rather than saying well maybe it was distinctive at the time that they used it or right so yeah i I think the trend will continue to be sadly probably copying the aesthetics instead of copying like the intent behind the aesthetics yeah um but i wouldn't be surprised if there's also a lot more appreciation of 90s stuff there seems to be that kind of yeah there is a big 90s revival happening right now. yeah and i i imagine that will increase like i love emma gray's stuff yeah and the things they did in the 90s and i wouldn't be surprised if their work is you know looked looked to by more designers to do this sort of like distorted lo-fi intentionally bad yeah, we're kind of going back to grunge-ish yeah. sort of Windows 94. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little strange. And I don't know. Um, I'm interested with what people do with that. But I think my feelings about that are the same as with geometric stuff where, you know, if it's appropriate, that's mm-hmm. that's great. But Isn't I don't it know. hard, though? Like, now I feel like I can't tell anymore, like, what's good or not because... <laughs> Because it's, like, intentionally bad, yeah. which makes it better than good. Yeah, it's like, is this... <laughs> I don't know. That's good. That's why I guess I, that's one of the reasons why it's nice to be able to like try and draw the type and someone else decides that (laughs) abusing it is like, yeah, um, part of the, their goal. I don't know. It's so tough. It's confusing to me as well. Um, what's like your favorite typeface du jour? Oh, well, that, see, the thing is, I'm actually choosing less typefaces to use myself than ever before because most of the people I'm working with are type designers and I'm building type specimen websites for them a lot right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you've done that for Lost Type. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting because I don't choose any type that goes into those. Well, really. Lost Type is a bit, I mean, like it's great, but then. Since that happened, I mean, you just see those fonts everywhere because you can download them for free, even Mm -hmm. though, like, you should pay for them Mm -hmm. if you're going to use them for any kind of commercial project. But ever since. Yes, 100%, you should. But as soon as, yeah, that site (laughs) popped up, I feel like everyone was, like, using, like, that ribbon type or the, I don't know, what are the other ones? Well, I mean, wisdom script, Levanteria. Wisdom. Oh, Le- oh, are, you just see the, it. Those are the the probably the most common ones. And but, I don't want to hate on those specifically or anything, but it's just like now when I see them, I'm like, oh. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I think I mean I'm biased, obviously, because like I I know the people who make those, and I oh I, they're wonderful. They're but, great, but, but but because they're becoming ubiquitous, it's the same problem as the Spotify totally. and the geometric um, sense. Lost Type has a lot of other stuff that I would feel like doesn't fall into that where, you know, it isn't quite in the situation Wisdom Script is, for example, where yeah. it's like, it's very, it's, you know, you know it separate from whatever situation it's using. But yeah, I, I get your, your point where, um, but that's an interesting thing for me because some of the stuff I get to work with is like, um, 
potentially, I guess, maybe even hopefully gets used to that level. Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah. And um, I get to design some specimens and stuff with it before mm-hmm. before it goes out into the it's world. It's pretty exciting. Like, it's got to be exciting to be one of those type designers and then just eventually see it explode everywhere. Um, I hope so. I mean, I can't speak to any of those specific examples. I would feel that way. Like, as someone who's new to type design relative to many of the other people in the Lost Type catalog, mm-hmm. I greatly admire what that but I think a lot of type designers as feel the same way as graphic designers where they're hypercritical of their work and you know their current thing is good and their next thing is better but their previous thing was like they're so upset about it yeah <laughs> and well, they just want to change that one detail or but whatever. it's got to be worse though for type designers because they'll see their work maybe used poorly yeah I think you have to accept that as part of the process though I mean typefaces are tools and you do your best to encourage a certain kind of use but you can never predict all the possible uses and yeah and sometimes it's used amazingly well sometimes it's used amazingly well in a situation you never thought it would be good in and sometimes it's used you know really poorly or Mm -hmm. unconventionally i wonder if anyone's written like an email and been like you did it wrong (laughs) (laughs) it's like i designed this typeface and (laughs) i revoke your use of it yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the last type catalog has had people, you know, get like an outline version tattooed on their no. knuckles or what. Yeah, sure, sure. There's everything. So, wow. Um, people people go for it, but yeah, yeah. I I think um, you know, as long as you're happy with the the tool you put out in a certain like you know you did the best you could you gotta let it go (laughs) then you have to accept that it's something else once it's out there in the world because that that's true with any design tool you build for other people you can only you can encourage certain things but you can't control the whole yeah output yeah well i don't like that obviously (laughs) control freak over here oh man um so you also do a lot of speaking engagements I see on your website there's like the longest list. Yeah. You must be a real pro. Um, no, I mean I don't do it super. I do like presenting at meetups and mm-hmm. a few conferences. Yeah, and, you organize Type Brigade. Yeah, which um, is that's amazing. great. So yeah, I host a, a typography meetup here in Vancouver called Type Brigade, and that's actually a lot of fun because I get to facilitate other people coming and giving talks about typography and design and lettering and stuff, and that's great for me and hopefully I get to you know share a little bit of my public speaking experience with them if they're new to it or you know just host and get out of the way if they're experienced because we have all ranges of experience levels speaking at that meetup but mm-hmm. um, no for, it's great everyone should go it's free it's which free. is amazing yeah our next event is I don't know when this is actually going out, oh no it'll is, it'll go out after this event well you just missed our last event it was <laughs> february 1st and it was amazing yeah um, there we had you a go. japanese calligraphy instructor but we are um i guess i can say then we're working on yeah. recording the talks so yeah. those you can maybe check it out on our our website now that we've started recording them and then our next one um will be you know hopefully in april and you can always sign up for free on the website which is typebrigade.com which is I- like fire brigade Sometimes I don't think people can understand understand what I say. Really, with well, obviously it's type, and it's not fire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, what can you give us any um, tips uh, for speaking in public? 
I mean, I'm sure you've got some. Um, it's still, I, it's still pretty nerve wracking for me. I mean, I've learned a lot about designing slides and writing the talk and that sort of thing. I think some mm-hmm. people go up there and do a lot more improvising than, than I do. I basically write the entire talk as if it's a massive blog post and yeah. sort of revise it until it hopefully feels natural again and, you know, memorize it and then recite it until it hopefully feels more conversational. But, um, I guess the stuff I feel like I've learned more is maybe about getting involved with conferences and meetups and stuff like that. Just strategy around that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you seem to know like a lot of people in like the typography realm, probably because you're organizing this, but also you're like getting out there and doing things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great to, if you're even a little bit interested in public speaking, or I guess no one's really interested in public speaking. It's more like you have you want to share your work a bit and i think mm-hmm. that's exciting and it's cool to pay tribute to your project by you know putting a bow on it for a moment and saying here's here's this thing i want to present and maybe i can teach you a little bit of something about what i learned but i mean my background for for the speaking stuff comes from like small tech meetups where i would go and say like hey here's this how i learned how to do this small thing with a piece of code yeah and that's pretty low risk um or it's relatively easy to get started with maybe you can do a 10 or 15 minute talk and but regardless of what industry you're in i think there's vancouver is actually a really good place for that there's a lot of meetups here relative to other cities that i think do a pretty good job of encouraging new people like there's project management ones design ones Mm -hmm. illustration kind of things so i don't know it's it's been really positive for me and yeah how long have you been um organizing that one and how did that even happen because um, it was it existed before yeah before type brigade was called the vancouver typography meetup group and it was run by shelly grundler and um she did it as more it was more of like a field trip thing where everyone would get together and go to an existing design event happening in vancouver um but then she was moving away and it was going to shut down on the meetup website. And mm. I was like, oh, that would be a shame. You know, there's 150 people signed up or whatever. I'll just ask her if I can take it, take over. it over. That won't be hard. Yeah. Which, you know, it was a little bit more work than I was expecting. But yeah. um, part of that was because we decided to turn it into a speaker series. Um, I organized it with Cody Jones and um, some other designers here in the city. What was it before? It wasn't, it was just like people um, hanging it out? It was like... If there was a talk at UBC or Emily Carr or something, people would get together and go, mm-hmm. or they would meet up and talk about type. But this was like, I wanted to bring the speakers or like schedule the speakers myself, I guess. Yeah, make and it a little more official. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And what is that other thing is it that Riley does where people just go and like oh, yeah. do so, lettering? Um, Riley Cran is one of the... He's the co-founder of Lost Type and one of the people who helps run Type Brigade, but we were also doing this lettering club thing for a while. That's sort of where I met a lot of the people. Yeah. Is that do, still going or no? Um, not at the moment because it was like the people who were going regularly were our group of lettering and typography people who I see a lot already, Yeah. yeah. Um, which is which is nice. But yeah, so not happening super formally right now, but might it might get started up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it had like, like typography in general had a bit of a moment in um, like popular culture culture there for a while. Like yeah. there was that 
movie that came out about like sign painting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And like, do you think that the hype has died down a bit? Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny to have, you know, stand up, stand up comedians like mention fonts and their jokes and yeah. stuff like that. I think typography and fonts are definitely, you know, more known than they've ever been in terms of your average person thinking about what a font is or about typography existing at all. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I don't, so yeah, I think it's really climbing, you know, people will tell you stuff about Apple's typography now or like yeah. fonts being it's like, too what light. do you it's know like, about you this? Sh- yeah, sure. But it's also like really interesting that that's something people just have an opinion on now, which wouldn't have always been the case or quite, at least not in such large numbers. Are your parents like aware of what you do? Yeah. Um, well, my dad is like a software, like a more of an enterprise software kind of person. So he kind of okay. gets the web side of things. And yep. my mom always made an effort to like figure that out. And she sent me like communication arts annuals with like cute. interviews with type designers that I didn't even know. You know. So I'm always really impressed that and appreciative that, you know, they go to that level to try and Aww. be interested in what I'm doing. Cause it is pretty niche and weird. So that's no, nice that's good. It's better than like, how's that Helvetica doing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, even that's pretty good. I would take that too. That's. <laughs> oh man. You obviously saw that documentary. Yeah. Like, so long ago yeah i mean that i think that was really influential for a lot of people it definitely was for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, but do you ever use it i never use helvetica um i mean on until, web i guess yeah until like 2009 yeah <laughs> it was on the very short list of yeah Arial helvetica was like one of your major font stacks so. yeah okay Yes. Web, web aside, I guess. I guess I'm coming at this from a print yeah. perspective. The, I, the only print work I do is, is with you. Oh, well, great. Yeah, so I, mean, I don't print anything else. Glad really. to facilitate. And except, except proofs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's awesome. Oh, my God. Oh, we are. We are out of time. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And now I'm going to play a song off the new Courtney's album. The Courtney's, as you may know, are a local band. Uh, They're signed to the infamous New Zealand label Flying Nun. They have a cool video for this song, too, which I'll link to on the site. It's actually paying homage to another Flying Nun band. Bonus points if you know which one that is. The Courtney's have a show coming up at the Cobalt April 11th, so see you there. But for now, here's Silver Velvet by The Courtney's.